You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Are you ready for the Word of God? Are you ready to be challenged today like never before? Do you know what's the sermon topic? Possessing your promises. Amen. Who of you have got some promises that you want to possess? Let me see your hand. Okay, I'm talking to the right people here today. So we're going to deal with some things that's trying to keep those things away. Amen. So are you ready for the Word of God? Hallelujah. Well, I'm ready to minister the Word of God. Can I ask that everybody would stand to their feet? We've got a custom and household of Christ that we declare the Word of God before we minister the Word of God. Amen. We've been doing this since 2006, so we thank God for this. Amen. So are you ready? Can we do the declaration? One two, three. I'm a son of God revealed. I'm blessed with every blessing in Christ Jesus. I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm a life-giving spirit. I accept his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection power in my life. I'm bound to his word and can do what it says I can do. I receive the word with meekness and I'm changed from glory to glory. I have the God kind of faith. I'm the righteousness of God and will never be the same. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. As you take your seat, turn to the person next to you, look them in the eyes and say, your smile looks better than the last time I saw you. Tell them, keep on smiling. I know you have a lot of things to be happy about. So I want to share with you today possessing your promises. Possessing your promises. One thing is sure that the blessings and the promises of God, they're available for us. Many people have started to experience some of that. Maybe some of you have been out of Egypt for a long time and you've walked into the promised land. You've you've been experiencing God's goodness and God's mercy and whether you've just stepped out and you're still trying to grab and hold on to the promises, see the full manifestation of the promise, whether you've seen the fullness thereof, there's a need to maintain the blessing. There's a need to maintain your promises. So this word is for everybody, but especially for Christians that have been holding on for a long time and have become discouraged. This is a word of hope that will help you to know that the thoughts that God has got towards you are still thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Let me see who of you are willing to receive your blessings your promise. Amen. Who of you are prepared to be obedient to receive the blessings? Hallelujah. Because Isaiah 1 verse 19 says that if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Obedience is very, very important. Obedience is very important. Willing and obedient. Because your obedience is the only proof of your faith. Turn to the person next to you say, your obedience is the only proof of your faith. I'm going to be spending some time in the Old Testament with you today, but Israel not being obedient is the very thing that became a thorn in their flesh later on. So it's always better to be obedient from the beginning. We always think we know better, but God is the one 
who knows all things. Amen. So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. The Bible says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and has cast away many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and the Hevites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughters nor your sons, nor take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But this you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples of the face of the earth. Amen. Turn to the person next to you say, you're a chosen people. Tell them you're special. Say, God chose you to be different. There's a few things about God that makes him so different. One of them is God is holy. God is holy. God is not even a God of right and wrong, but he's a God of good and evil. You know there's a difference between that? You can be right and your heart can be evil. And you can be wrong, but your heart can be good. God is not a God of right and wrong, but he's a God of good and evil. Amen? You can make a mistake, but your heart is quickly to run to God. God, please forgive me in humility and sincerity of heart. That's a good heart, amen? Wise people run to God. And you can be right, and you can be arrogant about it, and boastful, and it's not pleasing to God. So the Bible teaches us, when we look at this, the Old Testament, it seems like, wow, God wants to kill seven nations. Looks quite hectic, hey? The Bible says in Romans 5, verse 13, that these things are written for us so that we can learn from it. Amen? It says the Old Testament is written so that we can learn from it. Israel is a type of the church. Type of the church. It says these things are written for your learning that we through the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures might, might have hope. So we can learn from this so that we can have hope. What does this teach, teach us? It teaches us that as you go into the promised land, there's seven nations, there's seven things waiting there for you, mightier and stronger than you. But God says, I'm going to give you victory over that. Turn to the person next to you, say, people are not your enemy. Turn to the person on the other side, say, sin is your real enemy. So these seven nations, they represent spiritual things that we have to conquer in our lives if we want to have a peaceful time in the promised land things that you're going to have to face on your way to the promised land. 
Amen? Are you ready for the promised land? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, Now all these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So the Old Testament, it's a tangible illustration of spiritual realities, truths. It's timeless and we can apply it to our own lives. Amen? So this week, I'm going to start to deal with the first four enemies. And next week, we'll do the other four. Is that okay? Because I want to spend some time on them. So if you're going to go and possess the promised land, there's some enemies. This is the biggest mistake that we make as Christians. We have a promise, and then we think just because we have the promise, it's going to be easy. Can I have one amen? I want to talk to Christians today. I want to talk to Christians today. If you don't deal with these spiritual enemies, they'll become a frustration in your life. The things you tolerate will become an irritant in your life. Deuteronomy says that. That if you don't deal with that, Deuteronomy 33, 55, it says, if you don't drive it out, if you don't deal with them completely, they will start to irritate you in your eyes with what you see, and it will become a thorn in your flesh. Who of you have left some things and not dealt with it, and now it's irritating you? Just raise your hand or double blink at me. So God is very serious. He says, deal with these things or it will be a frustration and an irritation in your life. I want to talk to Christians today. You know, I'm, sometimes it's good to receive a message that soothes us, but we're not babies here. We're adults here today. Amen? Can I talk straight to Christians? You know, most of the time when we receive a promise, we want milk. We want to be babies. Milk is when you want to soothe a little baby to sleep. You give him milk. And we just want milk. But the Bible says that meat is to give us instruction in righteousness. Turn quickly with me to Hebrews 5.13. Just go there quickly. What does verse 13 say? For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. It says, if you only want milk, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you want things in your life to change, you're going to have to receive instruction in righteousness. To move you away from unrighteousness towards righteousness. That's swallowing some meat. Because now it will confront your heart to change. Who wants to go into the promised land? Who of you have been trying to get in, but you're not getting in, and you realize some things have to change? Psalm says, let the righteous strike me, it will be kindness. 
Let him rebuke me. It will be like excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. Who wants to be anointed? Who wants a double portion? Maybe some of us need a double rebuke for that anointing oil to start to flow because we've been so stubborn and resisting what God wants to do in our lives. Am I talking to the right people here today? Anointing comes through obedience. Acts 5 verse 32 says, God gives His Holy Spirit to those who obey. So let's look at it. Are we going to deal with some enemies today? Turn to the person next to you and say, we're dealing with some enemies today. Say, this message is not milk. It's meat. I need to change. Amen. So when we look at this book of Deuteronomy, it gives and mentions seven enemies. But there's one enemy that Israel faced before they even entered into the promised land. And if we go according to Scripture that this is given for us so that we can learn from it as an example to us, then we have to look at it and see what happened here. So the first enemy that they faced, just as they get out of Egypt, on their way to the promised land, seeing miracles... When I was reading this and looking at it, I realized and I said, God, I stepped into this trap as a young Christian when I just gave my heart to the Lord. I'm going to live for Jesus. They said, it's worth it. I'm going to do it. I've got a promise. And now suddenly, attacks. Am I talking to the right people here? Let me see your hand. You want to live for Jesus? You want to possess the promise? You're on your way. You're fired up. And now attacks. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's normal. The first attack that they got was the Amalekites. They are just out of Egypt, just gone through the Red Sea, moving in the right direction, and the Amalekites attack them. They're not looking for trouble. The Amalekites attack them. What does the Amalekites represent? They are wanderers in the desert. They also mean dung. And they've come to challenge their sonship. Have you heard from God? Are you moving in the right direction? Those things in your life that represent filth, the dirt, the things of Egypt that you have to let go of so that you can live a victorious life. He who knew no sin became sin so that we can experience the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can I quickly just see, you've just given your heart to the Lord, you want to live for Jesus, you want to be like Jesus, and now suddenly you're still behaving like your old nature. Ever happened to you as a Christian? Let me see your hand. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's normal. It's normal. Family, listen to me. Just because you've missed it, just because you've missed it does not mean it's over. When you go look at the book of Ephesians 4, it talks about those that give themselves over to sin. 
We all make mistakes, but don't give yourself over to those things. When you give yourself over to those things, then it becomes a real problem. The first challenge on the way to the promised land that the enemy will come and challenge you on is your sonship. If you are a son of God, why are these things happening? If you're a daughter of God, why the attack in your life? Jesus in the wilderness, if you are the son of God, why are you hungry? To the Amalekites, the enemy spiritually, what it represents is doubt, making you doubt. These things coming and saying, but am I really saved? Am I really being disconnected from these things if I'm doing these things? Romans 17 verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that it will utterly blot out the remembrance of the Amalek. God has removed your sin completely. It's been dealt with. When you make a mistake, God has still dealt with that sin. Run to Him and ask Him for forgiveness. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Family, let me tell you something. God is the banner over you. And it doesn't matter how many times you make a mistake. God is fighting for you so that you can get victory over that one thing that's coming against you the whole time. It's time now to let that banner of Christ victory over you be the banner over you once and for all. Turn to the person next to you, say to them, that little small thing, I'm dealing with it once and for all, that it will not irritate me in the future. The reason God wanted to deal with that because the promised land, the milk and honey, was there. But what hindered them from going in was their unbelief. Am I really a Christian? Can I really do this? And this is the battle of the ages between faith and doubt. Believing God's promises and unbelief. Do you still believe the promise that God has given you? Or as Unbelief and doubt started to pull you away that you've given up on what God has promised you. This is what the enemy wants to do. According to Scripture, faith is something you have so you can have victory over this. Faith is something you have. And you're going to have to exercise that faith because faith is the only thing that pleases God. Can you see the importance to remain in faith? Scripture says when the Son of Man returns, will He really find faith upon the earth? Will there really be faith in the church? We're not talking about partial obedience. We're talking about 100% obedience. Your obedience is the only proof of your faith. Have you dealt with this enemy that wants to come against you? I read something this week that Spurgeon said, says, cheerful obedience is the only acceptable obedience. Those who obey reluctantly 
are disobedient at heart. Young people, old people, you know what we trained our hearts to do from a young age? Your parents say, do something. You say, okay, I'll do it. But on the inside, you say, I don't actually want to do it. Not a willing heart. Parents say, come to church. I'll come to church, but I just want to let you know I don't want to come to church. Outwardly, you're obedient, but inwardly, you're not willing. And we have trained our hearts from a young age to be like that, and now we're 30 in our 40s and our 50s, and we still have this attitude towards God. I'll obey, but I'm actually not willing. Whereas the Bible says, if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Am I talking to the right people here? We've trained ourselves with things from the world. Don't tell me to do something. Don't instruct me to do something. Ask me. Am I talking to the right people here? Parents, instruct your children in righteousness. Teach them the advantages of coming to church with a willing heart. How would you feel if God says, okay, I'm going to bless you, but I don't actually want to? Would you be happy? I'm going to, uh, let me just give it to him, but I don't actually want to bless you. you know. Willing and obedient. Willing and obedient. You know, when somebody is willing, it's much easier to work with them than when they're not willing. They don't even have to know everything. Willing, able, and ready can work with somebody like that. Pitches up and say, just teach me. But that, I'll come, but I don't actually want to come. Who are you fooling? Partial obedience equals disobedience. Amen. Are we dealing with this first enemy? Can we now enter into the promised land? Guess who is the first enemy that you're going to meet in the promised land? The first enemy is the Hittites. And guess what they represent? Terror and fear. Ever stepped into the promised land and then fear gripped your heart? God, are you really going to do it? How are you going to do it, God? Stepping out into the direction where God wants to take you and fear grips your heart. Fear is one of the things that you're going to have to deal with because fear is more deceptive than Satan himself. Turn to the person next to you and say, fear is deceptive more than Satan himself. Romans 8 verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. When God takes you out of Egypt, out of sin, out of bondage, does not give you a spirit of fear. But you know that God is fighting for you, working in you, with you, and through you to accomplish what He's called you to do. Amen? What does Timothy say? You do not have a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. Because fear affects the way that you think. The Hittites were giants. Turn to the person next to you and say, fear can be real and very big. God said, I know that these things are bigger than you, stronger than you, 
but I'm with you to conquer it. How does God do it? He pours out His love in your heart to expel all shades of fear, that you know that God loves you, that God is supporting you. One of the biggest things that fear does, fear produces human efforts instead of relying on God. Fear produces human efforts. When fear grips your heart, now you want to make your own plans. I have to do this. Start running around. You see, oftentimes in the church, it says, watch out for this enemy, that it does not become human efforts. We often make decisions based on fear instead of hearing what God is saying. Am I talking to the right people here? Have you faced this enemy in your promised land? Where you've stepped into the promised land and now fear. God has given us victory over fear. The greatest thing is that assurance that you know that God is your father and that he is with you. According to Ephesians 3.20, God is going to do more than what you've asked, what you imagine, what you dream, what you could ask Him through that power working on the inside of you. Ask David and he'll tell you, when a giant wants to attack you, it's not personal. The giant has not come against you, but it's come against the God on the inside of you, taking you into the promised land. And guess who will deal with that giant? God himself. God is fighting for you. Family, listen to me. If you don't deal with fear, the next enemy in the promised land will even be worse. If you don't deal with the fear, the next enemy will be worse. Next week, I'll touch a little bit. of Fear, when it stays too long, it becomes discouragement. You know, sometimes when you face fear, you do this, you adjust this, and you can handle it, and you move on. But when it goes on and on, you can become discouraged. God gave the antidote to Joshua before he went into the promised land. Joshua 1 verse 8 and 9 talks about discouragement, and he says how you deal with discouragement. Let's look at the next enemy. Am I helping some of you here today? Have you faced some of these enemies, these spiritual enemies? Feel like you're in the Old Testament. Amen. The third enemy, the Gergeshites. It literally means to dwell in clay or clay soil. They used to build their houses with clay. What does it represent? Clay, if you're in construction, you know you cannot build on clay. It's unstable. So this speaks to an unstable mindset, unstability. Your thoughts going up and down the whole time. Then you say, God can do it. No, God cannot do it. I'm going to make it. I'm not going to make it. You feel like the tail. Then you say, no, I'm the head. Ever been there? Gone through some situations? The spirit of the Gergeshites wants you to backslide. Not to trust and rely on God anymore. Wants to remove or take away your first love for God. Going into the promised land to possess the promises, this spirit will come against you to take your first love away. We have to be stable in our faith. Jesus' love is constant. His thoughts towards you are constant. His grace towards you, constant. 
It's amazing to think that God is constant. That's why if we want our faith to be constant, we have to look to Jesus, the one who never changes, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I give you some good advice? You know what's one of the greatest sins? We run from church to church and conference to conference, thinking that we'll get more knowledge. But what we are doing, we are mixing seed. And sometimes it confuses us. The best diet for a child is to eat in their mother's house, their parents' house every night. Not for them to say, ah, oh, I think I'm going to eat at this auntie's house. Oh, I heard this auntie is baking this, no, I'm going there. This uncle is brying this, I'm going there. Do you think that's a healthy diet? No, it's not. But we do that in the church. The church is the pillar and ground, the support of all truth. Let me challenge you, if you want to deal with that, if you've been battling with thoughts this way and that way. I love TV ministries. I've got programs that I watch as well, but I'm very selective. I, want to, I watch maybe two or three. That's it. But usually just one that I listen to most of the time. Do you know why? That I can be stable. I mean, this is free advice. Even if you go for counseling, many of you are running from counselor to counselor to counselor until you hear what you want to hear. If you know God has placed you with a counselor, that person counsel you and help you. Then you'll get stability. It's not a challenge to visit 52 churches in a year. Not at all. It's a challenge to be 52 times in a year in one church. Can I have one amen at least? <laughs> That's a challenge. Not a challenge for somebody to have 50 girlfriends. It's a challenge for one man to satisfy and be happy with one wife the rest of his life. There you need the grace of God. There you need the help of God. There you need the favor of God. Can I have one amen? <laughs> and it, that, it goes for women as well. Amen. Women also need the grace of God. I think they need it more with men. Amen. <laughs> I could have flipped it the other way around. It's a challenge also for a woman. Amen? Am I helping some of you here? If you want stability, what are you thinking? What are you meditating upon? What are you declaring? I'm going to deal with the fourth one. The Amorites. The Amorites were arrogant and boastful. They were arrogant and boastful the way that they spoke. They would murmur and complain. And this is a spiritual enemy that's coming to the church. Everything that we do as Christians should be in humility and sincerity of heart. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance. They would intimidate, speak down, arrogant. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without complaining and disputing. Are you always causing arguments, always want to fight? 
It says, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. It says, you know how people will see your light shining brighter and brighter? When you stop murmuring and disputing. It says, God wants your light to shine. But if you are fighting and murmuring and complaining like the world, especially with all social media, anybody can jump on and give their view and their comments. So the Amorites were arrogant and boastful in their speech, in what they did. They spoke against leadership. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Numbers 12. Just go there quickly, Numbers 12. It's a trap of the enemy as you go into the promised land, especially if you've been in church for a long time. You've seen a lot of men of God. Who of you have seen a lot of men of God? Raise your hand. Who's had some disappointments with pastors? Let's just be real. Did you call those pastors? Did you anoint those pastors? This is one of the traps of the enemy to bring judgment upon people when they speak out against men of God. Very quick to say, ah, he's not a man of God. Don't raise your hand if you've said that. Oh, let us just put it out there. This is not really a prophet. Ever said that? Don't raise your hand. This is one of the enemies that you will face. Numbers 12, then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Interesting that they have to mention it twice in one sentence. It was an issue because he married a black woman. It became a family issue. Old Testament. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? You know what they said? Does Moses only think he can hear from God? I can also hear from God. Am I talking to the right people here? Does Moses think he's the only one who can hear from God? I can also hear from God. Have we not also heard from God? Has God not also spoken through us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Wow. There's three things that happened when they said these things. Three things happened. Look at your life spiritually. Three things happened. Number one, the Lord departed. When you go to verse 9, let me just read it. Well, let's just go to, when you go to verse 6, then he said, hear now my words. This is the Lord speaking. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles, do not touch my prophets, do my anointed no harm. Do not touch them. 
It's Old Testament. I can go to the New Testament and show you scriptures as well. People say, show me the New, New Testament is full of it as well. Michael, the archangel, in contending over the body of Moses, did not say anything against Satan. He said, but the Lord will rebuke you. He had seen what had happened in heaven. He knew how he behaved, but he understood who he was. And he said, I'm not going to say anything. You're an archangel, even though you're a fallen archangel. I'm not saying anything. The Lord will rebuke you. Verse 9, so the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. Verse 10, and when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous. So verse 9, the presence of God departed. Number 2, she became leprous. A leper. Number 3, because the cloud departed, nobody could move. If the cloud was not there... They couldn't move. So many times when you see stagnation in somebody's life, go check and see if they've spoken against a man of God. Aina, amen. Am I talking to the right people here? Now it's very quiet. Nobody moved until the matter was resolved. Nobody moved until the matter was resolved. Be very careful not to speak against men of God. It's a heartsore thing to see how men of God use a pulpit to attack other men of God. This is not a launch pad to attack ministries or men of God. But it's a place to bring hope, to give instruction in righteousness, and to bless people. Whatever a man of God has done, we did not call them, God calls them. Have you called anybody? No. If God has called them, they will have to give account to God. Amen. Let us know our place when it comes to this. Miriam was the oldest sister. So in the family structure, if she kept it to the family, she could have said, listen, just come sit down here. My younger brother, Junior, just come sit here. Let's talk about this thing that's going on here. We'd like to know what's happening with the Ethiopian woman, this woman that you've brought into the family. Have you had family discussions like that? Raise your hand. Okay, let me rephrase it. Who of you have had a sibling who started dating or married somebody you did not like and you wanted a face-to-face -face discussion with your brother or your sister? Raise your hand. Okay, now I'm talking to the right people. No, 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 we're all happy families. <laughs> no, no, no. That's fine. You can have a family discussion. That's not a problem. But they started to touch his office as a prophet. Do you think only you can hear from God? And they touched him and God said, I've heard what you've said. I've seen the intention. You're now speaking against the office. Deal with him as your junior brother and talk to him. That's fine. That's a family matter. But don't now come and say, oh, you think you're a prophet. Only you hear from God. God will hear that. Be very careful what you say about men and women of God. Amen. The first time words were spoken and declared was with God. When there was darkness, when there was void, 
when there was no form, God said, let there be light. The words that you speak give direction to your life. Miriam here spoke against Moses, and she became a leper. Do you know what is so interesting? Who had to pray for her to be healed? Who had to utter the words for healing? Moses. When he prayed for her, God healed her. That's why we should always be praying for people. Amen. Don't mingle your words. Can I give you some good advice? If you're going to live by this and go into the promised land, don't mingle the word of God with the words of the world. Worldly words plus word equals unbelief. It's not a matter of combining our strengths with God to see the end result, but relying on God. Amen. Have you identified some spiritual things that's been coming against you? Some enemies that you have to deal with? So I want to close with this. Israel, a type of the church, entering and moving towards the promised land. Here's a situation where Balak gets worried. He sees Israel moving towards the promised land. And he says, there's a problem. I've seen what they've done. They've got victory. They're blessed. I have to curse them. He calls Balaam. He says, come and see me. You have to curse these people. Read the whole story there from Numbers 22. Calls them, he says, you have to curse them. God appears to him, he says, listen, you cannot curse them. They're blessed. Turn to the person next to you, say, whether you like it or not, you're blessed. Turn to the person on the other side, say, whether you like it or not, you are blessed. Ephesians 1.3 says, we are blessed with every blessing that's in Christ Jesus. So he wants them to be cursed. Says, cannot do that. Cannot do that. Takes him up. He looks down at at Israel in the camp. I've heard some teachings the way that they were camped. When he looked down, he actually saw a cross. So he was looking at the cross. You cannot curse the cross. You cannot curse people that have accepted the cross. You cannot curse people that live according to the cross. Amen? They're blessed. It's nothing that you can do. Balaam gets upset. He says, what have you done now? He says, God has blessed them. We know the very well-known verse that says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man. Have you heard that scripture? That he should repent. But what he has said, that's it. So when God says that you are blessed, you are blessed indeed. It's not a man that he should lie. So Balaam says to Balak, there's nothing that you can do about it. They're going into the promised land, and they're going to possess the promised land. But God warned them because God knows everything. He knows that they are blessed. If they are willing and obedient, they'll eat the good of the land. So what is the strategy of the enemy? What does he say? Go and mingle with them. Go and be friends with them. And that's what starts to happen. They start to marry the Amalekites the Hittites, and they start to compromise, and that's how they make them weak, and that's how they got defeated. Family, this is a lesson to all of us. 
you are blessed with every blessing in Christ Jesus. God is not going to change his mind taking you into the promised land. But it's where we start to compromise with these things that are enemies that we should destroy completely. That comes into our lives that start to weaken us. Am I talking to the right people here? Turn to the person next to you say no compromise. The enemy is never a problem. God says, even though they're stronger, I'm going to deal with them. But the problem is, is when you become a friend of that which is your enemy. We'll look at immorality next week, but when lust has become your friend. Hmm? Am I talking to the right people? When speaking negative has become your habit and your friend. And you're always saying the negative thing instead of declaring God's word over your situation. I'm going to close with this. The Amalekites wants to challenge your sonship. Wants you to doubt your sonship. Wants to rob you of your faith. Say, I'm not going to accept this enemy in my life, but I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Hittites is that fear, that terror that wants you to doubt God's promises. Our own human efforts instead of relying on God for everything. Am I talking to the right people here? Talking to us as a church as well. The Girgashites. Clay, unstable thoughts. Then I believe God is good. Then I believe He's not good. Then I believe He's going to come through. Then I believe He's not going to come through. Then I believe He's going to make a way. Then I believe He's not going to make a way. Amorites, let's walk in humility and sincerity of heart, not become arrogant and boastful, not speak against leadership, but we take God's instruction. Joshua 1 verse 8, he says, I know you've seen everything. Remember now, for 40 years he's been going through all of this. 40 years. God says, this is what you're going to do. Meditate in my word day and night. Let it not depart from your mouth. Say it, meditate it, then you'll see your ways will become prosperous. He says, become obedient to observe and to do it. He says, when you do that, all your ways will become prosperous. Go to verse 9 quickly for me. Look here what it says. If you can go to the, oh, leave it with the King James. It's fine. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go with you. But as you go in, say what I'm saying, think upon my word, listen and do it, and you'll see I'll make your ways prosperous. This is the Bible way to go into the promised land. I'm closing with this. Take some time and say, God, what is there in my life that I have to work out, which is not of you? that has been keeping me away to enter in and possess my promises.
These enemies are waiting for you. Whether you're in the promised land or not, they are there. But when you go in, deal with them once and for all. Work out everything that is not of God. Give Him the rightful place in your heart. And you'll see what God will do in you and through you and with you. And even with those around you in Jesus' mighty name. Seal our precious Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, your tremendous grace. Thank you for helping us and taking us, Lord, from where we are to where you want us to be. Perfect everything concerning us in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Are you ready to pray some praise? Please stand to your feet. Turn to the person next to you say, I'm ready to possess. Turn to the person and say, I'm ready to possess. So let me hear you pray. Say, precious Father... Uproot everything. Uproot everything that is not of you. And plant everything that is of you. Pray it again. Say, precious Father, uproot everything that's not of you. And plant everything that is of you. In Jesus' mighty name. Say, I want to possess my promise. Say, precious Father, I want to possess my promise. Increase my capacity to believe. Increase my capacity to believe. Increase my capacity to believe in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Increase my capacity to believe. Increase my capacity to believe. Increase my capacity to believe in Jesus' mighty name. Oh Lord, open my heart to your faith. Open my heart to your faith. Open my heart to your Holy Spirit. Open my heart to your Holy Spirit. Open my heart to your word. Open my heart to your word in Jesus' mighty name. Lord Jesus. Give us your kind of faith. Give us your kind of faith. The faith you need to meet all my needs. Give me your kind of faith. The faith you need to meet all my needs. In Jesus' mighty name. Let every doubt in my heart, let every doubt in my heart turn into faith. Say it again. Let every doubt in my heart turn into faith. Let every unbelief turn into faith. In Jesus' mighty name. Right now, Father, expel all shades of fear. Expel all shades of fear. Expel all shades of fear in my heart. I command your light. The light of God into my heart command the light of God into my heart to expel all shades of fear pray right now say cleanse every avenue which runs into my life right now say it again say precious father cleanse every avenue cleanse every avenue which runs into my life right now. 
Cover it with your blood. Cover it with your blood. Cover it with your righteousness. Cover it with your mercy. Cover it with your mercy. Cleanse and protect every avenue. Cleanse and protect every avenue that runs into my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Right now, I want you to declare. Say, God is no man that he should lie. Say it again. Say, God is no man that he should lie. And he says, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I declare, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. What God has blessed, no man can curse. I'm blessed. Let me hear you pray. Say, forgive me, Lord, who I've spoken against your anointed. From today, I bless your anointed. From today, I bless your anointed. I declare, Lord, no weapon formed against me shall prosper because God has blessed me. He's my shield, is my protection, is my exceedingly great reward. Right now, Lord, I cancel every appointment with failure. I cancel every appointment with failure, every appointment with setback, in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Say, precious Father, thank you that we can display our faith. Say, thank you, Father, that we can display our faith. Give us the grace to only act faith and please you in all that we do. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand. Can I tell you something that's very interesting? Even when we were declaring the things about faith, there was a lot of resistance for people to truly believe that. To truly believe that. I want you to go and exercise your faith. Go and take some scriptures and start to declare it. Go take out those promises and start to pray them. Amen. I want every person right now, put your right hand on your heart, raise your other hand to heaven, close your eyes and pray this prayer aloud after me. Say, Precious Father, my situation is beyond human means. I need the Savior of the world to save me. Save me, Lord Jesus. Wash me with your blood. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I confess with my mouth and I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for me, that He's alive right now, making intercession for all my weaknesses. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me to live a holy life, well-pleasing in your sight. I am now a child of the Most High God, in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. If you've prayed that prayer in humility and sincerity of heart, your sins are forgiven. Your past is over. If I can give you some good advice Number one, connect to a team.
connect to a living church and become part of a living church. If you've prayed that prayer here, I've actually got a responsibility to disciple you and train you on the things of the Lord. If you are from far, go find a living church and get involved there. So number one, you have to connect to a team. Number two, discover the dream, discover your gifts so that you can use it to glorify God. We'll help you, we'll train you, we'll help you to discover those things so that you can use it to the glory of God. Number three, serve in the dream team. Become part of the team that is serving, that is helping. People that serve, people that are involved, just grow spiritually much quicker. Amen. Hallelujah. Has your faith been lifted? Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ. Loving God. Loving people.